Every day, CT testifies to the reality that Jesus is alive, transforming his world and bringing his kingdom to bear. Jesus transforms, CT equips. Make a gift to our nonprofit ministry with a gift of $20 to provide 150 more people with redemptive storytelling, global perspective, and thoughtful podcasts. Give now at morect.com equip. This episode is brought to you in part by Thomas Nelson, publisher of The Overcomers, God's Vision for You to Thrive in an Age of Anxiety and Outrage, written and narrated by pastor and best-selling author Matt Chandler, and is available everywhere audiobooks are sold. This is Russell Moore, and you're listening to Signposts. I had a question from a listener asking about Halloween, and she's particularly concerned not about uh, Halloween itself and, and whether or not Christians ought to celebrate Halloween. There are all sorts of resources you can look at about that. Her question particularly is about disagreements that she has in her small group. Uh, in her church. They have a small group, community group, Bible study, and uh, some of the families trick-or-treat and their kids dress up and and they do Halloween. Some of the families don't because they think that Halloween is is a pagan holiday and they they think it it celebrates uh, darkness and and those sorts of things. And so they have a disagreement. And she's, she's just asking, what do we do when Christians disagree about something like Halloween? And I think it's a really good question because it comes at uh, something that the Scripture uh, talks about really clearly, I think, in, in Romans chapter 14, when it's talking about differing consciences on questions along these lines. You have a dispute that's going on in the church at Rome between people who would argue that a Christian ought only to eat vegetables and people who would say the conscience is free to also eat meat. Now, you think about this, there are kind of multiple layers here. Uh, Why would a Christian argue for a vegetarian-only sort of, of meal? Well, on the one hand, you could have Christians who would who would say that on the basis of um, of say the way that Christianity restores the original creation, and those Christians uh, might say, well, human beings weren't created to kill uh, and to and to eat meat from from animals, and so let's return to a, a time when we're eating only vegetables. But that's not the only argument there. There's another argument that could say, especially when you're living in a, an ancient world where a lot of meat was being sacrificed to idols, that uh, the, the way that a Christian could maintain his or her witness is not to be eating meat at all. I mean, you think about 1 Corinthians, a lot of 1 Corinthians is talking about that dispute about meat offered to idols, and what do you do, and how do you figure that out, and how do you not wreck a weaker brother uh, over the eating of, of meat? So that's, that's a real issue on the table in many different different contexts. And what Paul says about this is to say in Romans 14, he says this, as for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. 
One person believes he may eat anything, while the weak person eats only vegetables. Let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains, and let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats, for God has welcomed him. Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands or falls, and he will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make him stand. One person esteems one day as better than the other, while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. The one who observes the day observes it in honor of the Lord. The one who eats, eats in honor of the Lord. Since he abstains, he abstains in honor of the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives to himself and none of us dies to himself. If we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. So then whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ died and lived again that he might be the Lord of both the dead and of the living why do you pass judgment on your brother or why do you despise your brother for we will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ now obviously what the apostle paul is is teaching there under the inspiration of the holy spirit is not that there are no uh, moral boundaries uh, in terms of uh, behavior that that ought to uh, divide churches. That, that's not what he's arguing there because he goes on to uh, consistently uh, talk about those things that are out of step with the gospel, uh, Galatians chapter 2. He's dealing with sexual immorality in 1 Corinthians. He's, he's dealing with divisions. He's dealing with, with all kinds of issues going on in churches where he would say, this person is right and this person is wrong. Uh, sometimes really, really strongly say this person's a false teacher. Uh, what they're teaching is, I mean, think of Second Timothy chapter 3. Those people are to be uh, dealt with uh, and dealt with very decisively within the context of the church. So he's not saying, uh, well, we all disagree on everything, and so let's just uh, live with one another. What he's saying is there are some issues that the Scripture does not speak to definitively. And so in those cases, you have consciences that may operate in, in different ways. And so he'll, he will argue uh, elsewhere that if somebody is operating in a way contrary to his or her conscience, that person is actually sinning. If that person uh, has a conscience that is, that is leading that person in, in one direction and the person thinks that what he or she is doing is violating a command of God, that actually is an act of, of rebellion, even if what that person is doing is, is, is perfectly morally neutral. So we need to have consciences that are shaped and formed rightly. Uh, but beyond that, we, we bear with one another on some things that are not clearly defined in Scripture. So when we think about the issue of Halloween, I think that one of the things that we need to keep in mind is to, because Christians in the American context and in some other contexts where, where Halloween is celebrated, have different views on this, learn to empathetically understand why the other person holds the view that that person holds. And so if you're one of those people who would say uh, that you don't ever want to celebrate Halloween, you don't ever uh, want your children uh, celebrating Halloween, you do other things, then don't view Christians who take their kids trick-or-treating uh, as Satanists and occultists. Now, maybe you come across somebody who just doesn't have any discernment 
And so who is really uh, celebrating uh, some things that are that are dark and occultic? So maybe you would have a, a situation where um, I heard of a, of a Christian family that went to a seance uh, on Halloween. I mean, obviously, that is something forbidden by Scripture. That is somebody who is, is moving in a direction that's clearly forbidden uh, by, by Scripture. But most of the people in your typical church who are uh, trick-or-treating and celebrating Halloween, that's not what they're doing. Uh, what they're doing is, and I'm somebody, I, my kids trick-or-treat. And what we're doing in that, we don't have bloody, uh, gory, uh, celebrating of, of evil sorts of, of costumes. Um, but we, we see this as uh, making fun of the devil in one way. Uh, you're, you're making fun of the darkness, uh, ridiculing the darkness uh, in order to say, principalities and powers and the darkness of night and death, you don't win. And, and we're able to join with our neighbors in kind of uh, uh, expressing the fact that you don't win. And we have more reason than anybody uh, to, to think that. Uh, so there are a lot of Christians who are, if you, if you don't like Halloween, you don't believe in Halloween, take the most charitable view. The same thing is true for Christians who do participate in Halloween, and you're looking at families that don't. I mean, I think one of the, the tendencies that we could have, you see a family that doesn't celebrate Halloween, is to, is to think of that person as a legalist. That person is, is uh, legalistic and censorious and irrelevant. And again, you, you may have some people like that. I mean, there, there, there are some churches where you would have some people who not only don't celebrate Halloween, but want to come after uh, the people who do and make that an issue of church identity and church boundary and church definition. And if, if that's the case, then you have to deal with that. But that's rarely the case. Most of the time, what you have are people who would say, I think that Halloween has a lot of really dark origins. Uh, true. It, it does. It has both light and dark. I mean, you have... You have All Saints uh, Eve, All Hallows Eve, and you also have Druidic uh, origins and, and all sorts of, of uh, unsavory things. That's true. They have problems with that, and they don't think that they can't see how a Christian could participate in something with those sorts of origins. They also look around and they see uh, many things that happen uh, around Halloween that they say are really uh, decadent. And, and so they look around at the way that Sometimes Halloween celebrates uh, gore and celebrates violence and celebrates uh, wickedness and evil and sometimes even the demonic. And they say, oh, we just don't see how a Christian can participate in that. Don't label that person uh, a legalist uh, because that person's conscience uh, has a problem there. Uh, also, don't assume that these are people who aren't concerned about mission and concerned about their neighbors. Now, for me, and I was telling a group of people this the other day, Halloween is actually the one time of year when I'm able to be with my neighbors in a, in a meaningful sort of way. I live in um, a neighborhood where you have a lot of people who are running at a very fast pace. And so people are in and out uh, of their homes. And I'm running at a really fast pace. I mean, I live in two different cities, essentially, and, and then I'm traveling all over the place. And so it's hard for me to, to really connect with my neighbors, except for the ones that are just right, right around the house. 
Halloween time, the whole neighborhood goes outside. Everybody's outside. You get to know people. You're able to build relationships and connections. And for me, that's really that's really helpful. And for a lot of Christians, that's one of the ways that they that they're able to build the relationships uh, necessary to in order to be a, a gospel witness. But don't assume that that means that the people who do have a problem with Halloween by conscience are, you know, hiding in their homes. Uh, with the lights out and not answering the door uh, when they have neighborhood children. That's not, that's not typically what's going on with people. And so let's, let's understand the importance of, of conscience here. And so if you have a problem with Halloween, I think the default for you ought to be to look at those Christians who do uh, go trick-or-treating and say, okay, well, what they're intending to do is to uh, enjoy a, an important cultural holiday. They're wanting to be involved with their their neighbors, and they're recognizing the way that the Scripture teaches that we live in a fallen world, and and not in a schmaltzy, sentimental, um, all light uh, sort of world. That's what they're intending to do. And if you do celebrate Halloween and trick or treat, then look at those families. If you've got those families in your church that that don't and they object to it, and and think good for them. They, they have a conscience, and this conscience is leading them to be countercultural in this way. And so this is a holiday that they don't celebrate and that they don't observe. Good for them. If they were violating their conscience, then they would be doing something, something that would be wrong for them. And that kind of conscientiousness um, may well serve the church uh, in important ways later on uh, when it comes to other issues where those are the people saying, we've got to be the the ones who don't follow the crowd and who obey conscience. So receive that and, and bear with one another and love one another and be able to trick-or-treat for the glory of God, be able to abstain from trick-or-treating uh, for the glory of God, and to be able to nonetheless sit around the Bible together, be around the Lord's table together, be serving each other uh, together after that. This is Russell Moore, and you're listening to Signposts. This episode was brought to you in part by the Better Samaritan Podcast, where Jamie Ayton and Kent Annan discuss everything from simple acts of kindness to complex humanitarian challenges with their guests. Want to learn how to faithfully do good better? Find insights at The Better Samaritan.